Tonight, I want to speak to you on how to be spiritual or how to walk in the spirit. Amen. Walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is the same as being spiritual. Being spiritual doesn't mean we walk and when we see people, we just lift our heads and we don't greet them. But when we talk about being spiritual, it doesn't mean that we refuse to respond to anyone that calls us or anytime people talk to us, we are in the spirit, so we are not listening to them. The scripture says we should be spiritual. The scripture says we should walk in the spirit. How do we walk in the spirit? Tonight, I want to give you 10 things to do to walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 5 and the verse 16 and then the verses 25 to 26. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit. So there is such an instruction, walk in the spirit. How can we walk in the spirit? Anytime you read this scripture, have you asked yourself, how do I walk in the spirit? Because it was a clear instruction. I said then, walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will not fulfill the desires, the inordinate desires of the flesh. When you are born again, it is your spirit man which gets born again. It is not your brain. And it is not your body that gets born again. It is your spirit man that gets born again. Now that means that your spirit man becomes a baby. Your, your physical body has a lot of experience of sin. That is why people can be born again today and by the evening they are committing fornication. Because the flesh is still controlling the spirit. There was a reversal of roles from the original mandate of God in Genesis chapter 1. When God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, if God is a spirit and he created us in his image after his likeness, then we are spirits that have been placed in this body. Then he said, the one I'm going to create, these people called human beings, I will create them in my image that they will have dominion over the earth. Now we know that our bodies are made from the earth. And the scripture says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into man. What he breathed into man, that thing he breathed was you, the real you. The spirit being that he put in this clay. So that he would dominate the flesh. But then when sin came in, the flesh began to dominate the spirit. So by the time we begin again, it is our human sin. That is why we need to feed our spirit man with the word and with prayer and with fundamental Christian practices until it grows and be able to now control the flesh. So the scripture says, walk in the spirit so that you will not be able to fulfill the inordinate desires of the flesh. Then verse 25, it says, if we live in the spirit, now, we are being told we should walk in the spirit and live in the spirit. That means we are being called to be spiritual. Let us also walk in the spirit. Look at it. Clear. Verse 25. We live in the spirit. Let us walk in the spirit. 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the scripture is very clear that we are commanded to walk in the spirit. And we are told to also live in the spirit. 
Question is, how do you walk in the spirit and how do you live in the spirit? In other words, how do you become spiritual? How do you operate as a spiritual person? How do you walk in spirituality? In fact, in Galatians 6, the Bible says that if any man is overtaken in a fault, you that is spiritual, you see, the believer is expected, the mature believer is expected to be a spiritual person. And so how do we become spiritual? And so tonight... I want to take you through some scriptures and some practical ways by which we become spiritual. What I'm sharing with you are things I have practiced in my life. I have seen others before me walk the same way and I've looked through scripture and I've seen it is the pattern. So by the wisdom of God and by the grace of God, I've been able to condense 10 of them for us tonight that we will learn how to walk in the spirit. We will learn how to walk in the spirit and live in the spirit and practice a spiritual life whilst we are on the earth. Hallelujah. Number one, to be spiritual or to walk in the spirit, be constant with the word of God. Be constant with the word of God. In other words, continuous reading and meditation on the word of God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Continuous reading of the word. Some of us, we have not been continuous in the reading of our word. So we are more, see we go to church, but we are not very spiritual. So when you are very spiritual... When people open their mouth, it won't take you a long time to know whether they are coming from a prayerless morning or not. I do that with people all the time. Not unbelievers, those who go to church. By the time you start speaking, within one or two minutes, I'll be able to survey you in the spirit and know that you have had a prayerless morning. You have not really been praying. In fact, you have not been reading your Bible at all. There is no, the word of God says, on your tongue. When you speak, we don't, we don't hear normal everyday conversation of the Bible says the Bible is not on your lips. You don't, you don't have reference, but you go to church. This evening, be spiritual in Jesus' name. Be constant with the reading of the word and meditation of the word. It, it fills your spirit man with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6 verse 63. It says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. This one is just our house that we live in on this earth. One day we'll check out and it will decay. The Bible says, the words, Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when the instruction and the commandment is to walk in the spirit, as a believer, you are to walk in the spirit. How you walk in the spirit starts with your daily reading of the word. When you read the word, your spirit man gets filled because your spirit man, which is the real you, he doesn't eat kenke, he doesn't eat McDonald's, he doesn't eat the famous foods you like, your rice, your wache, and your salad, and all those ones. Those of you that eat three balls of kenke as starters. When you see food, you just begin to warm up. Some of you, the only scripture you know is Psalm 81. When you see food, then you just begin to declare the scripture. It says, I am the Lord that brought you out of the land of bondage. Open your mouth wide and I will feel it. This is the scripture you know. Scriptures that we pray over food. But when it comes to walking in the spirit, we need to read the Bible cover to cover. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are life and they are spirit. So your spirit man feeds on the word of God. Your physical body Eats the normal food you eat. 
your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How much have you fed your spirit today? Your spirit is always fasting. But your flesh has been eating. That's why you are more fleshly than spiritual. Because we don't feed our spirit man with the word. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to church every day. You will not be spiritual. If you go to church every day, you have to receive the word. You must actually have a personal Bible reading life and begin to walk in the word. Then you begin to walk in the spirit. So be constant with the word of God. Continuous reading and meditation on the word fills you with the spirit. So your spirit man feeds on the word of God. And then he breathes prayer. See, one of the, we need two things to survive on earth. We need oxygen. We, we need to be breathing in. And then we need to be eating. Your spirit man feeds on the word. And then he breathes prayer. When we begin to pray and we read the word, we become alive in the spirit. And when we become alive in the spirit, it's very, very easy to download information from the throne room of grace. The Holy Ghost begins to reveal things. You begin to pick things in the spirit very quickly because you are supercharged. You are connected to the antenna in heaven. You are able to quickly download stuff in the Holy Ghost because you have the word. So the spirit gives life. The words I speak to you, they are life and they are spirit. Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ, you must let. That means you must allow. It is not automatic. The Bible will not find its way into your heart. You must intentionally submit yourself to the word. Daily discipline of reading the word. And in Christ church, we've given you a head start. Four chapters of scripture we are reading. If I decide to conduct a test today as to what we read today. Some people will be struggling. That means that you have managed to eat some rice today, but your spirit man has not been fed. You are being wicked to your spirit man. You are the real person. The real person is your spirit, not this flesh. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Let the word of Christ dwell richly, not poorly, richly in you, in all wisdom, teaching. When the word begins to fill you, you begin to teach. Admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you wake up in the morning or somewhere in the day, what kind of song comes into your spirit? Is it biblical or is one of the worldly songs? It tells you what kind of thing you have been feeding your spirit man with. The Bible says when we allow the word of God to dwell richly in us, it will move us into teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Spiritual songs begin to come out of your spirit because your spirit man is full of the word. But some of you, when you open your mouth, the songs that come out immediately are not biblical they are not spiritual. There are some songs. Some strange songs. Some strange songs. In those days in university in Ghana, they are setting halls. They convert all the Christian songs to profanity. And if you belong, you are in from one of these halls, 
You need prayer all the time to sanctify your spirit. And one brother came to lead prayer and he raised one of those songs. He, you see, the thing affected him was like Lot in Sodom. Lead worship and he, he sang the one the guys have been singing. The thing has affected him. It is very serious. When you belong to such a place, you, I won't tell you which one I, I went. But it was very serious in those places. You wish you are relocated from the place. But you need to be spiritual to knock off those things. So when you lift your voice to sing worship, morning devotion, and you get up there today, I've been singing this. What song comes out of your spirit? The Bible says when we allow the word to dwell in our hearts, we will sing spiritual songs and make melody in our hearts with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. Be spiritual. So number one, be constant with the reading of the word of God. The Bible says in John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them with thy truth. Your word is truth. And remember that he says that the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. So when you have the word in you, you have the spirit in you. And it is the starting point of walking in the spirit. Amen. Number two, pray in the spirit always. Pray. Now take note of that. Pray in the, I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. Always. That's the second thing to do. To be spiritual. To walk in the spirit. To live in the spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Always. Don't speak in tongues sparingly. It's like the, you speak in tongues only in the morning until the next Sunday. Only when we come to church that you pray in tongues. You must speak in tongues every time. When you are free, whether you are working or not, learn to, learn to walk in that realm. It opens you up. It feeds your spirit. I told you the oxygen of the spirit is prayer. But there is that level that you need to get to if you have to be spiritual and to be praying in tongues. Pray in tongues always. Pray in the spirit always. Speak in other tongues as you walk, as you work, as you lie down to rest. Let it be part of you. As you sit in a car, you are driving. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. That constant prayer creates a certain atmosphere. It puts you in a very spiritual mode. And sometimes as you pray, one of the advantages of praying in tongues is that you pray for things that you physically don't know about, but you are touching them. And as you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost begins to stir some things in your spirit and lifts you to pray on certain things that you have no idea about or he begins to impress in your spirit. A prophetic word. We need to be spiritual because the spiritual controls the natural. Hebrews 11.3 says that we understand by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And that the things we see are not made of things that do appear. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 14 to 15. 1 Corinthians 14. 14 to 15. It says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit man, have you seen it? It's in small s. Anytime you are reading your scripture, you see the capital S is the Holy Spirit. The one starts with small s is the human spirit. My spirit 
prays that you see your spirit man is supposed to be doing the prayer. Remember, you are a spirit. So the scripture says, walk in the spirit. Your spirit man must be doing prayer. So when we pray in tongues, that is how our spirit man is praying. It says, when I pray in tongues, my spirit is the one praying, but my understanding is not part of it. My physical mind does not understand. I don't need to understand what I'm praying. I'm talking to God. The scripture says, however, in the spirit, you are speaking mysteries unto God. You are staring your spirit man. The real you, there's too much flesh. For you to walk in the spirit, you need to be praying in tongues regularly. Regularly, regular. Hallelujah. What is the conclusion then? Verse 15. I will pray with the spirit. And I will pray with the understanding. So there is a way to pray with the understanding. But tonight, in order to walk in the spirit, I want you to understand, you need to be praying with the spirit more often. When we have prayed more often with the spirit, it affects our prayer with the understanding. Because sometimes you pray in terms for a while, and then you now begin to get a revelation of what you need to touch physically with understanding. And then you begin to leave that prayer topic and you move on again. And you begin to pray in tongues for a while. Because your spirit man is praying. And when you are praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost takes hold of your human spirit. And makes intercessions with groanings that cannot be uttered. I will pray with the spirit and also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, there is another dimension. Where we begin to sing, our human spirit begins to sing. And it may, you see that you are, you are actually singing a particular tune and rhythm. But the words that are coming out is not English, French, or Chinese. But it is actually some tongues to the Lord. And I will also sing with the understanding. These are the depths and dimensions of spirituality. That you can sing in the spirit. May the Lord help you in Jesus' name. There are bigger things in God. May we focus on the most important things. Don't let the devil distract you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, I said number two, pray in the spirit always. And I'm just giving you scriptures to back that. Ephesians 6, 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. In the spirit again. Praying. Always in the spirit. Pray in tongues at all times. When you get a little time, begin to pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Praying always. And it is, it is part of the pieces of armor we are supposed to put on. In our spiritual warfare against spirit bodies, spirit beings, evil spirits. As Ephesians 6, um, 10 to 17 teaches us. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Verse Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Jude 1 20. It says, but you beloved. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. By praying in the Holy Ghost. So there's something called praying in the Holy Ghost. And praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in tongues. And when we pray in tongues, it is the preparation for a spiritual life. In Jesus' name. 
Pray in the spirit always. That's how we walk in the spirit. In Jesus' name. The third thing is, I have mentioned it earlier on. Sing in the spirit in prayer. Sing in the spirit in prayer, in services, and when you are alone. Sing in the spirit. When we pray in tongues, it comes naturally by itself. Sometimes as you pray for a long time, you see that it switches and you begin to sing in the spirit. It sounds like tongues, but then you are singing something. You alone, as if you alone compose the thing. And it's just flowing like that. May we be that when we gather and we worship. You know, sometimes when we have worship in church and we have worship for a while, sometimes we need to really break without raising another song and people flow in the spirit. And begin to sing in the spirit. And begin to communicate with God in the spirit. You need that level of spirituality in your life. Daily, daily you are walking in the spirit. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Number four. Keep your thoughts clean. Keep your thoughts clean. Because the Holy Spirit hates sin. So if you have to walk in the spirit. If you have to be spiritual. You have to understand that you cannot be walking in sin. Because the Holy Spirit's name is the Holy Spirit. He works best in holy vessels. Amen. Amen. So keep your thoughts clean. See, what we think about itself can defile us. Matthew 15, 18 to 20. Listen carefully to what Jesus, the Son of God himself, thought. Let's carry on. Let's move on. Um, sorry for the break in transmission. I'm trying to sort something out. but Let's carry on. Let's carry on. In Jesus' name. All right. Keep your thoughts clean. I said the Holy Spirit hates sin. Jesus was teaching here and he says in Matthew 15, 18 to 20. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. The things we say. Jesus is the, you see, the one who created us is the one teaching here. And he says that anything we say comes first from our heart. And they defile a man. So, don't interpret things your way. Look at the one who judges what is sin. Who actually tells us what makes sin. What actually constitutes sin. Jesus Christ, the son of God, he says here that those things which come out of your mouth, Come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications. Jesus said fornication starts from the heart first. What you are meditating on, what have you been thinking about? The thoughts. He says thefts, stealing starts from the heart. Before anyone starts to rob anything, he has planned it in his heart. False witnesses. Hey, 
false witnesses. The Bible says it is a state of heart. It is planned in the heart and it is defilement. Some people just think that only when you maybe commit fornication that you are defiled. The Bible says that what you think about evil thoughts itself defiles you. False witnesses defiles you. Blasphemies defiles you. These are the things which defile a man. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus the Christ said these things. He's the one teaching these things. He says the things that defile a man are these things. The things that we think about. He said evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. Murders. Adulteries. Fornications. Thefts. False witnesses. Blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. We can sing all we want. We can carry Bible and go to church all we want. The state of your mind determines your spirituality. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is not prescribing unhygienic behavior. He's just telling the Pharisees that because they thought that by cleaning themselves, ablution and all of that, and our other brothers from the other faith, they will do that five times a day. Clean their ears, their armpits, their legs, and bow and do it. Jesus said, that one is not cleanliness. What is clean is what you think about. Hallelujah. These things defile a man. May you not be defiled in the mighty name of Jesus. So keep your thoughts clean. Keep your thoughts clean. Don't entertain sin in your head. Don't be entertaining mental adultery in your head. Don't be undressing the sisters in your head and having sex with them in your head all alone whilst you are in church and watching them standing there and leading praise and worship. Brother, repent in Jesus' name. So whilst you have come to church, you are already being defiled. Why others are receiving anointing? Walk in the spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Number five. Number five. In order to walk in the spirit, you need to learn to walk in love. Daily, walk in love. Walk in love. Because you see, bitterness and unforgiveness grieve the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to be anointed. But anointing doesn't just move like that. Heavenly waters cannot flow through polluted channels. So you need to understand that in order to walk in the spirit, in order to be spiritual, you must walk in love. The most spiritual person in the entire universe, God, is love. Hallelujah. Jesus came. He walked in love. The apostles taught love. Walk in love. Because bitterness and unforgiveness grieve the Holy Spirit. When we walk in bitterness and unforgiveness, we are not walking in love. And the reason why we continue to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness is because we are refusing to obey the commandment of Jesus Christ to go to the person who has offended you and sort the matter out. You are rebellious and it's a sign that you are not spiritual. Spiritual people obey Jesus Christ. They obey the word of God. If you want to have your own way, you are not submitted to God. And you will be subject to the judgment of God on the judgment day. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The Bible says that we must walk in love. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30 to 32. 
You need anointing. To walk in spirit, you need anointing. You need to know the mind of God. And for the Holy Ghost to fellowship with you, the Holy Ghost must be on good terms with you. But the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He is a person. He's not a wind. See, that's why he's not a wind. He's not an inanimate thing. Things that are not personal cannot be grieved. I can't see how my chair will say I have grieved it. It's not a person. It is persons who get grieved. And the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, he has nothing to reveal to us. You may be desiring to hear from God, but he won't speak anymore because we have grieved him. When we grieve one another, we withhold our cooperation with the person who has grieved us. The Bible says the spirit of God can be grieved. Your spirituality must not be a spirituality linked to evil spirits. Your spirituality must be spirituality linked to the Holy Spirit. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is a stamp of God on you that shows that you have been marked out for redemption. But we can grieve him. And the scripture says, these are the things that grieve him. Look at it, verse 31. Let all kinds of bitterness. Bitterness. Wrath. Anger. Clamor. Fightings. And evil speaking. These things, they grieve the Holy Spirit. Anyone walking in this thing, that person is not spiritual. At best, you are spiritual in the negative sense because you are spiritual for the devil. We can't come to church and be walking in bitterness. You grieve the Holy Spirit. He has nothing to speak to you. That's why you are not hearing him. That's why you are not growing. There are people, they have been in church for a long time, but they don't grow. Because they, they, are, not, they are not spiritual. They, they are too fleshly still. They are walking in these things. I say it again. Every commandment of Jesus Christ, if you flout it, you are disobedient. The reason why bitterness exists is because we are refusing to follow Jesus' prescription for conflict resolution. He said, go to the person. Raise the matter with the person alone. You don't. You tell 600 people and the person doesn't know. And you carry the bitterness in you. When you carry bitterness in you, the Holy Ghost is not with you. Check the scriptures. It's very clear there. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let bitterness depart from you. Holy Ghost will be at peace with you. Holy Ghost will begin to speak to you. Jesus said when he comes, he will show us things to come. He will reveal things to come. You are walking in blindness in a spiritual war. Every Christian is engaged in a spiritual warfare. That's why you can't afford to allow bitterness to make you lose night vision. In war, see in the night, the soldiers from sophisticated and they wear certain things that make them see. It's called night vision. They wear it. They can see in the night. They can see very far. And in this war, you can't be blind. But we cannot be coming to church and yet full of bitterness. What are you bitter about? Sort it out. It will kill you. 
Besides the most important, apart from the health problems it will give you, you are losing out on the most important personality in the universe, the Holy Ghost, who is to inspire you to grow in God, to mature in God, to walk in the spiritual gifts. It's a tragedy to be in church and not grow because of this. Wrath, wrath, even though you are seeing anger there, wrath is the highest form of anger, uncontrolled anger. Anger that destroys things. When we, when we lose our cool, we just destroy everything. Destroy everything. Lack of self-control, just destroy things. Anger, uncontrolled anger. Clamor and evil speaking, evil speaking. In church, Paul was talking to Christians. He says, evil speaking will grieve the Holy Spirit. Tonight, the Bible says, walk in the spirit. Be spiritual. Are you speaking evil of another person? Stop it in Jesus' name. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how many oil, gallons of oil we pour on you. No anointing will penetrate. See, that's what people don't know. When hands are laid and oil is applied, it must penetrate the body. The anointing must penetrate and go beyond the veil to the holy of holies. And there we begin to see the Shekinah and the glory of the Lord. Hands can be laid on you and there can be a block. So we can lay hands on you. We can pour gallons of oil. You can even drink them. Nothing will move. Nothing. You will be the same. You will fall down and get up. Ushers will struggle to get you up and you haven't changed. Nothing has happened. You just fell. The unction did not penetrate. We don't just fall. When we fall, we must wake up and get up changed. When Adam fell under the anointing and went into that deep sleep, when he woke up, he was not the same again. There was something created out of him, a woman. Hallelujah. When we fall under the anointing, something must come out of us. God would have worked some work in us. A character flaw will change. When we fall under anointing, something changes. It's not showmanship. That me too, today I fell. If you fell and we got you up and nothing has changed, you have just hit your body to a hard ground. You will have pain. You will need paracetamol. But when you fall under the anointing,
Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Can you all hear me? Those watching online, let us know that you are hearing the message. In Jesus' name. So the Bible says we should put away all these things with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. As dear children, and walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Verse 2 says, walk in love. As Christ also loved us, the same way Christ loved us, and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love. Because walking in love is the natural characteristic of a spiritual person. God is love. We offended him. He took the step, came down, and died on the cross by his son for us. Love. Walk in love. Hallelujah. Walk in love. Walk in love. Number six. Number six. Number six. Make time to be alone with God frequently. Make time to be alone with God frequently. If you, if you have to walk in the spirit, you have to be spiritual, you must practice this very important principle and fundamental practice. It is a characteristic of a spiritual person. It's a characteristic by which you actually grow spiritually because you have to be in tune with the most spiritual being on the universe, God himself. So make time to be alone with God frequently. Sometimes we call it waiting. There are times you can go away for waiting and there are times you can wait alone even in your house. It all depends on your level of discipline. In Jesus' name, you can do that. There are times I combine both. And you can be alone in the house and you are actually waiting. There are times you are there in the house but nobody sees you in the house. You are there. Nobody comes to disturb you. You have locked yourself away in one place and you are there for the whole day or for two days you are there. Nobody sees you. But you are praying. You are praying. Find time to be alone with God. Even when you are in a crowd, you must learn to create privacy with God. And it's a skill you develop. It's a characteristic of a spiritual person. Even in the crowd, I can be praying. Even in a crowd, you can be connecting with God because you have practiced it for a long time. This is the characteristic of a spiritual person. Ladies and gentlemen, there are higher things in God. Let us move up in Jesus' name. Don't be, don't, don't, don't be satisfied with coming to church on Sunday and going. You are missing out. You are losing information, communication, certain levels of communion with God. Certain encounters with God. You miss out on a lot of things. Because you don't practice these things. Tonight, I'm sharing this from experience and from scripture. Please come with me to Mark chapter 1 and the verse number 35. Make time to be alone with God frequently. I'm talking about you alone. 
There is a place for communal pr prayer. There is a place where we all gather at 5 a.m. for prayer, for morning devotion. There is a, but there is another place that is you and God alone. It's a mark of spirituality. It is also the step to spirituality, to being spiritual. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, if you do Netflix, you won't do this. Waking up a great while before daylight. Netflix anointing does not even kill a cockroach. See, when we were growing up in sixth form, we wanted to exercise our faith. <laughs> so sometimes when we are praying in the bush, we see a snake, we say, in the name of Jesus, die! Wanted to die. <laughs> and one day we exercise some stubborn faith. <laughs> a pressing iron is out of order. I lay hands on it. I say, it, it will work. In the name of it. It didn't work. I continue to pray that it will work. It didn't work. But it, it didn't work in the end. But I continue to lay hands on it. <laughs> My faith was so high. I was touching anything that appears dead. I want to see life. And I was glad when a butterfly came back to life. <laughs> we killed the butterfly in the name of Jesus get up and I continued to do that and then it got up I said ah this one it has worked <laughs> this is six form faith in Jesus name in the morning having risen a long time before daylight Jesus went out departed to a solitary place the word solitary means it is a lonely place. And there he prayed. He didn't go with Peter. He didn't go with John. They were all with him in the house. He got up early. He needed that one-on-one -on -one with his father. Spiritual. One day the Bible said he had preached so much. Everybody was tired. He dismissed the people. And he went alone to a quiet place. And there he prayed. And he prayed until 3 a.m. And he walked on the water. That was when he walked on the water. He dismissed the rest. He could have gone with them. There is a place where you go with Peter, James, and John, and the rest to Gethsemane. Even in Gethsemane, there was a place where he moved a stone throw away from them, alone with God. There is a time he mixes with them and prays. There is a time he goes alone. You need to have that one-on-one -on -one alone with God. You have 24 hours. Can you set, set aside at least one? We have one in the morning. Corporate, you have left it 1.4 hours. That belongs to him because you have to tie to your 24 hours. Two hours, 40 minutes. In the morning, all Christ church members, we pray from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. UK time. So we've done the one hour. You are left with one hour, 40 minutes. Can you spend some time with him somewhere in the day, in Jesus' name, to build your communion with this Father? Hallelujah. It is in these lonely moments, as I share with you, from a sample of scripture and personal experience, that you begin to learn how he talks. It is in those moments, as you build it every day, that you begin to build intimacy with the Holy Ghost. And then you begin to learn how he talks to you alone. He doesn't talk to all of us the same way. He communicates with us differently. There's a way God starts talking to me if I'm walking on the road and I know I may have to stop what I'm doing and go into some small prayer. 
there's a way, there's, an imp- there's something that happens to me and I know that he wants me. But these things were developed in the prayer closet. So you learn to develop that lifestyle of making time alone with God in the word and in prayer. A great while before day, he departed to a quiet place and he alone prayed. And if you read the next verse, the Bible says, and when it was day, Simon and the rest, they came looking for him. There they were still sleeping. He's gone. And if you read the verses before, he had actually preached in the night. And yet he had his time. He got his, he doesn't miss those things. This is the son of God. Sometimes you hear people, Abraham blessings are mine. I want to be like Moses. Please check them. They carry these fundamental practices. They've got that as their lifestyle. Look at Luke chapter 22. Verse 31 to 32. (coughs) They were having dinner here. The background to this chapter and these verses was when the Holy Communion was first instituted. They were sitting in that upper room. Jesus had finished washing their feet. He had announced the death. He has prepared the food. They have all eaten. They were eating. And suddenly, as I told you, when you build this relationship, Even in the midst of a crowd, you are able to have a time with God alone, even in the midst of a crowd. And the Bible says, and the Lord said, whilst they were eating, suddenly, he said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Hey, but we are all here. How did you hear that? Whilst he's chatting with them, he's already also gone away. He's speaking things in the spirit already. Ezekiel had the same experience. I think chapter 8 or chapter 13. Whilst the elders of Israel were sitting before him, he was looking at them and then he was taken out. Whilst he was still sitting, talking to them, he was all the way right there, back in Jerusalem, right into some prophetic mapping and to see what caused their captivity. And God was revealing it to him whilst the elders were sitting with him. They were talking to him, but he was already gone. That is the level of spirituality. It is, it, 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 you don't control it. The Holy Ghost instead stays at that point because you have built a relationship with God. I pray the Holy Ghost communicates what I'm teaching to your understanding in Jesus' name. These are experiences I want you to also have. In the midst of a crowd, you can pick a revelation. My closest friends who are pastors have always said, you, your words are very prophetic, but they sound very, very funny. And one day we were just having a chat and one of my friends, senior man of God, were chatting and saying, oh, have you heard what has happened to that man of God? I said, yeah, what is it? He said, the day you were there three weeks ago, you made that funny joke and you said the thing. Don't you realize that your words are very, very funny, but they are prophetic? I said, I didn't realize that. He said, no, the, what you said has happened to him. We have to go and, and check it out. But you said the thing as if it's funny, but the thing has happened to his family. And he called me last night. He told his friend. He said, he called him and he said, the thing, as Isaac said, that, that's what has happened. But when he said it, I didn't take it serious that that is what the Lord is saying. But it's, we were just, we're just having a chat. And suddenly, just, you just say that. And so, the Bible says, he says, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Now, this is where he gets my, I couldn't get it here. Now, he's chatting with them. They were eating. Now, he says, Satan has just desired to have you. But I have also prayed for you. Where did he find time to pray? So whilst he's talking to them, he was even praying. 
There are times people are talking to me, but you are quiet, and then you are actually praying in the spirit. Sometimes somebody's talking to me on the phone, and I'm quiet for a while. They say, Pastor, are you there? I am there. Because at the same time you are talking, I'm also praying. Because I want to be able to hear from God, not to just say anything to you. Sometimes people speak to me, and I say nothing. I say, okay, I'll try and call you again. It's like, oh, what? he's not saying anything. I haven't heard. Amen. Don't force me. To... Listen, our church is not that, that type of church. I go to preach at places, and I ask what kind of discipleship those, those people in those churches to receive. I mean, they come to you and say, Maza, prophet, my, my word, my prophecy is with you. Who told you that? <laughs> this is what they do and people. I, if I haven't heard, don't force me to prophesy. But when we walk with God, you, you begin to pick some things. Jesus was eating with them. Suddenly he says, Satan has desired to eat you, Peter. He wants to sift you like wheat. But at the same time, I have also prayed for you. My God, how did that happen? May the Lord lead you to that realm in Jesus' name. When you spend time alone with the Lord, frequently you begin to walk in these realms. Walk in the spirit, man. Walk in the spirit. If Jesus was not walking in the spirit, he wouldn't have known that Satan was plotting something against Peter at that moment. There are people you are working with and things are being plotted against them. And all of you are so clueless. Because you, are, you love your stomach. Stomach direction Christians. No prayer, no time for God, but time for entertainment. Satan will give you millions of entertainment to rob you of your spiritual connection with the voice of God. As I've always said, the voice of God is the greatest asset of the believer. But you can't hear his voice until you create a spiritual atmosphere like what I'm teaching you today. He says, I have prayed for you so that your faith should not fail. He even told them the prayer topic he even prayed. At what point? In the spirit, he was engaged. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And this prayer worked. Peter was shaken. He denied Christ three times. But the prayer was standing. After some days, he said, I've even abandoned full-time ministry. I'm going back to fishing. <laughs> I'm going back to my, my secular work. But with all of this, Peter still managed to make his way back. Hallelujah. And was blessed so much that on the day of Pentecost, he was the one that prayed that preached. This prayer worked. Hallelujah. Number seven. Number seven. Number seven. As we get closer to the end of the message. Number seven. The seventh thing to do to walk in the spirit is avoid exhaustion. Avoid exhaustion. In other words, avoid extreme tiredness. Avoid it. Spiritual people must have wisdom to reserve energy. Remember, the anointing lives in the body. If the body is tired and worn out, it will not be effective. The spirit cannot work with a worn out body. So get enough rest before and after services. Amen. Create some time to rest. Otherwise, there are things God may put in us, but you can't do anything. And then sometimes God may be calling you to carry on with prayer, to deal with something, but you are now very, very tired and worn out. You are not able to actually function at the time you are needed for the battle. The Bible says, no man that engages in warfare and tangles himself, summons you for battle. That's not when you are tired and you don't know what to do. You've forgotten all the drill because tiredness kills. That's why they put it right on the roadside. Say, tiredness kills, take some rest. You're driving on the motorway. Rest a little bit. Rest. In Jesus' name. 
Listen, if you die, the work will go on. If you die, your company will just advertise your product. They also say RIP, 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 RIP. One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, they advertise your position. So get enough rest, especially in ministry, before and after service. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 32. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus, and they told him all the things that they have done. He sent them, they went out, they preached, they cast demons out, they were excited. There was revival. <laughs> they anointed many with oil, Mark chapter 6. Then the Bible says they returned, and they brought good news to Jesus. They were fired up for the next mission. They were ready to do things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place, to a quiet place, to a place of retreat, to a place of calmness and serenity and rest a while. The one who came to save us said at a point, rest for a while. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. For there were many coming and going. People were coming. Church is booming. People were coming. And they did not even have time to eat. Have you seen it there? <laughs> so they departed. This is Jesus. They have come with testimonies. He has sent them. They went out. They preached. They anointed many with oil. Oh, Mark chapter 6 is very interesting to do. But when they came with their report, have you seen that he didn't appear to be saying anything much than to say, first of all, good, good work. Now everyone, we are going to rest. Because you have not eaten, guys. You haven't eaten. Realize that much as he wants us to do the work, he's also interested in our physical well-being. Remember the last time he had a crusade for more than three days? The people were hungry. It was he who said the people were hungry. Let's feed them. The disciples said, send them away. He said, when you send them, they will die on the road. They will fall, they will fall down. They will, they, will, they, will, they will collapse. They will faint on the way. Feed their bodies. The anointing lives in your body. In Jesus' name. Put your hand on your head and say, Lord Jesus, help me tonight. I understand that the anointing lives in my body. Help me with wisdom to know how to rest and to balance my time. In the name of Jesus, strengthen my body. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name, shout amen. amen. So the Bible said he... Told them they haven't even have time to eat. They should take some rest. So they departed. They followed his instruction. And they went to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. No congregation. Nobody. They just went to rest. It was necessary. Hallelujah. Spiritual people take some rest. God himself. He worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. Full rest. No work. No work done. No work. God rested. If God, who is not flesh and blood, could rest. You also need some time to rest. Amen. Look at Jesus, the Savior of the world. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 25. The most spiritual person that walked on the face of this earth. Now when he, Jesus, got into a boat. Remember, if you read the verses before, he had also preached. He has cast demons throughout the night. He had prayed for Peter's mother-in-law. And the Bible says a lot of people had gathered that night with diseases. He healed all of them. Then the Bible says, when he got into a boat... His disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. So that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Church, Jesus was asleep. Amen. Now I'm not calling for that type of sleep. Some of you have been sleeping. 
lazy sleep. I'm talking about sleep that's a result of proper work you have done that you are tired that you need to rest. Some of you, you have been sleeping and you are not tired. You wake up and the sleep itself has made you tired and you sleep again. Those things, nothing comes out of it. You are abusing the anointing. Get up and go and do some work and then come back. As I've said, don't go on any holiday when you have not worked. We go on holiday, holiday to take a rest from work. That is holiday. Amen. God rested in Jesus' name. So the Bible says he slept. The son of God slept. <laughs> Then his disciples came to him and woke him and said, Lord, save us, we are perishing. The reason why he cut short what he was doing and went into the boat was that he needed rest. Hallelujah. And remember, his mission was to come. We, we didn't die on the cross. He went to die on the cross. He even came to save us and he could still find time in his timetable to rest. Because the anointing needs that rest in the body to be able to function effectively. Sometimes when you have been there, you can understand. There are times here we are functional anointed. The power of God is on you. You do all those things. When you finish and you leave the scene, and you realize that you feel very, very tired. And when you get to, when they even bring you food, you can't eat. You feel so tired and you fall asleep. It tells you that the body is tired. Just that anointing is the one keeping you there. So sometimes you need to find time to rest in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Number eight. In order to be spiritual, confess any sin. As soon as you are convicted. See, if you are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, when you commit any sin, a sin by what you think, what you imagine, or anything you do, the Holy Ghost will, will convict you. You feel the condemnation within you. As soon as you know you have sinned, as soon as you feel convicted you have sinned, sometimes you don't know, but the Holy Ghost will convict you. There are times you have some communication with somebody on the phone, and when you finish, the Holy Ghost will convict you that you shouldn't have said what you said. You shouldn't have given that information out. The Holy Ghost convicts sometimes like that. Sometimes the Holy Ghost asks you to pray. You didn't pray. He has a way of convicting you that, look, you have done something wrong. And wherever the conviction comes, whatever evil or sin we may commit, as soon as you realize you have committed sin, confess immediately. It's so important because in the realm of the Spirit, there's a split second between the protection of God being taken away and the devil striking you there and then. He's very fast at doing those things. His aim for tricking you into that temptation is to actually strike at you. No power of darkness can hit you unless sin comes in. The scripture says that if the serpent, the serpent will bite when the hedge is broken. When we sin, Satan strikes. And that is why you have to bear in mind no new devils have been created. The demons you bound at the all-night prayer meeting, the 21-day fasting, the 100 days prayer, they are waiting for you. And they are the ones that have turned around and tempted you in different ways. When you sin, they will come full force to come and do damage to you for all the shoutings and the things you were doing to them. And that is why as soon as there is sin, you confess immediately in Jesus' name to maintain your spirituality. And because sometimes we don't know what we have done and we may have grieved the Holy Ghost without us knowing. The Holy Spirit departed from Samson and he didn't know it. He didn't realize it. He thought it was all right. It's normal. It's not normal. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves 
He's talking to Christians here. And the truth is not in us. So he's writing to people who are already born again. But it's possible that because our flesh is more matured with sin than our spirit man who got born again, it is possible that we will be tempted. We may walk in sin here and there. And so the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus, sin is an attack on your power. And that is why we must strive to walk in holiness and not to sin. But whenever anything happens that we stumble and fall in sin, we must immediately repent. The avenue for confession of sins and forgiveness of sins is not a license and a visa to continue to sin. Satan will trap you and ambush you and destroy you. And God also knows that you are trying to take advantage of his liberty. It doesn't work that way. But what is important is that whenever we feel convicted that we have done anything wrong, pray. That's why every day when you wake up, you are not sure of anything. Ask God for mercies and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Proverbs chapter, the Bible says he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can have right standing in the realm of the spirit to push back the frontiers in the name of Jesus, to bind demons and cast them out. Demons will take instruction, they will not take instruction from rebellious people because they themselves, they are rebellious. Satan is rebellious. When we sin, we are rebellious and we cannot command the devil to leave. That's why Acts chapter 19, the incident with the sons of Sceva happened. They themselves were sinners. You can't command the devil to leave. How can Satan cast out Satan? It's not possible. You must belong to the light to have spiritual power and clout to command the powers of darkness and they leave. So your holiness is very, very important to your spiritual life. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. May the Lord have mercy on you. In Jesus' name, if you confess your sins, you will prosper. You will be lifted, you will be forgiven, and you can move on. Number nine, steps to spirituality. Keep company with spiritual people regularly. The atmosphere, the, the company you keep determines your spirituality as well. If you are always in the company of unspiritual people, it tells you where your heart is. It's something that shocks me. There are some people, they shock me. They come to church, they go to church, and they, they are always in the midst of unbelievers. It's amazing. What kind of spirit is in you? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Evil company will corrupt your good manners. It means a good company will enhance good manners. Amen. The company, we all grew up in God by associating ourselves with certain brothers and sisters that encourage each other. We are spiritual people. We pray regularly. We have got at times when it's long vacation, we know our shadows. We are praying. Our weekends are occupied with prayer. We say we are climbing the mountain. All Saturday, we are at Legon Gardens praying. Praying, praying. Church hasn't organized anything. We, we are praying. It's association you keep. When we meet and we are talking, we are discussing the scripture that pastor preached. And the revelation in it. The insight in it. When we meet, we are talking about how we lay hands and somebody spoke in tongues. Secondary school students. This is our goal and aim in life. The people you keep company with, it will affect you. The Bible says the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the doctors of the law. In Acts chapter 4, 
when they gathered the apostles, when they arrested them and brought them before them and charged them, by the time Peter and John opened their mouth, the Bible says they knew these were uneducated people, but they took knowledge these guys have been with Jesus. The thing has affected them. The thing has affected them. Who you walk with will affect you. It is said that, show me your friends. I will show you your character. So don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. It's deception to say, oh, I can move among them. Nothing will happen. Look, this thing, this thing is very powerful. If you are not strong, they will influence you. There's no neutral ground. It's either you are influencing them or they are influencing you. And in secondary school, we always say, we will do them before they do us. We will make sure they get the word. The people you work with is key. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Hallelujah. Iron will sharpen iron. When you put iron together, they will sharpen each other. You cannot sharpen a knife with wood. Some of your friends, they are wood. You are iron. It's not possible. You are light and they are darkness. How can you flow? The Bible says, so a man sharpens the outlook of his friends. If you keep a spiritual set of people, it grows you spiritually. It is through them that you learn to pray. You have a Bible reading life. You have got books that we have laid out that we are reading. Have you read it? Then we give, the, we give you this one. You two, we give you this one. And we are all reading the same books. We are reading the same scriptures. We are having the same scripture challenge. We are having the memory verse challenge. We are doing all these things. It's, it flows. We grow like that. But that environment keeps you growing in Jesus' name. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10 because there's something what we call transfer of spirit. It works in the midst of spiritual people. If you are unspiritual, that thing will also affect you. There is something that's imparted when spiritual people come together. Associate with people who are spiritual. Associate with people who are walking in holiness. Let the world call you all the names they want to call you. Continue to live a holy life. Form an association of holy people. In Jesus' name. Glory be to Jesus. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 10 to 11. The Bible says, when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of God came on him. This is Saul. He was never a prophet. His father was not a prophet. He went to Samuel. Samuel lays hands on him that he was going to be a king. The Bible says, when he met the company of prophets, you see, the corporate anointing of the prophets suddenly affected him. See, there are some people when we come to church, they prophesy because the atmosphere has been created. In the presence of a mature prophet or a seasoned servant of God, spiritual gifts are released. People begin to flow in many, many things. You wonder what's going on here. Because the atmosphere is, the atmosphere will affect you. When you associate with certain people, certain things about them begins to affect you. It rubs on you. That's why we call the rub on anointing. It rubs off you. That's why you need to keep company with spiritual people. Look at it. So Saul started prophesying and it happened that all those who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this thing that has even come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? He, he was not a prophet, but when he went among them, he began to prophesy. Look at another example. First Samuel chapter 19, verse 20 to 24. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Anytime I read it, I laugh. But there are too many lessons there as well. The Bible says this was after King Saul was looking for David to kill him. And David ran away to his spiritual father, Samuel. 
And the Bible says Saul sent his soldiers to go and arrest David from Samuel's presence. Then Saul sent messengers to take David or to arrest him. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as their leader, they gathered, they, you see, Samuel was having prayer meeting. All the prophets were there. And David had run to take refuge there. And the king was not respectful of that spiritual atmosphere. He wanted to cut David and kill him. You know, some people are so jealous to the point that they don't even fear God. Even in the house of God, they want to come and kill you. So Saul was so jealous, insecure, and wanted to chase David down the place. And he sent soldiers to go and arrest the boy. When they got there, the atmosphere was so charged. Samuel was standing there leading the prophetic intercession. The spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul. And they also started prophesying. <laughs> they said, go and arrest Bishop James. When you go there, he started prophesying. Fell down. They all prophesied. Then when Saul was told that you have soldiers you sent, they have become prophets too. He sent other messengers. And they also came. And they, as soon as they hit the atmosphere, they started prophesying. Then the Bible says, Saul sent third battalion of soldiers. And they also prophesied. Then he also himself went to Ramah. Want to teach these soldiers who are misbehaving. <laughs> he came by himself now. He went to the great world that is at Seku. So he asked, where are Samuel and David? And somebody said, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went to Naoth in Ramah. Then the spirit of God also came upon him. And he went on and prophesied. For him, his own was worse. As soon as he hit the city, the anointing was over all the city. When he hit the city, he started prophesying from the city gate. <laughs> the Holy Ghost took charge over the atmosphere. He started prophesying from the gate. All the way, all the way, he's shouting on the road. All the way to the church premises. And when he got there, look at him. As for the Holy Ghost, he can mess you up in an atmosphere. The Bible says that the Spirit of God was on him. And he went on, prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes. His own is worse than the others. He took off all his clothes. Prophesied before Samuel in the same way. He lay down naked all that day and all that night. There are some atmospheres when you get there. The atmosphere will infect you. There are some people when you walk around there, you begin to pray. You begin to consider spiritual things. You begin to want to read the word. Connect yourself with spiritual people in the name of Jesus. Therefore, they continue to say, is Saul also among the prophets? <laughs> Hallelujah. And finally, number 10, for the sake of time. In order to, be, to walk in the spirit, you have to be mindful of the fact that you need to plan for every activity. Spiritual people are good planners. God is very spiritual, and yet he planned everything. Avoid rush and lateness. Avoid rush and lateness, because God is always on time. Spiritual people value time, because spiritual blessings are embedded in time. Purposes are inside time. The mystery of the universe, the mystery of life, the mystery of life itself is wired into time. And God came at the same time every day and he created something, worked to a certain time, left and came. God is always on time. You can't be filled with the spirit and be disrespecting time. 
plan for every activity. Jesus one day said, which of you intending to build a tower will not sit down first and count the costs? God worked everything out. He planned everything. Nothing was accidental. The coming of Jesus was well planned, well prophesied. Whenever we talk about prophecy, we are talking about the plan of God that is unfolding before us. It's the plan of God. In religious language, we say prophecy. But in secular language, we would have said that is the laid out plan. The laid out plan. That's why anything Jesus did, the Bible says when they brought him from Egypt, then the Bible says that it might come to pass with the prophet, professor that I will call my son out of Egypt. It is part of the plan. And then when they came, they heard that Archelaus was reigning in the stead of Herod. So Joseph was afraid and they went to live in Nazareth. Then the scripture says, then it shall come to pass that which was prophesied, that he shall be called a Nazarene. One that grew up in Nazareth. Hallelujah. So you will see that if we plan for every activity, it is one of the greatest signs of our spirituality. Untardiness. All kinds of, you know, disorganization is not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is a very well organized spirit. Just look at the way your body is designed. So organized. So organized. So ordered to function. The creator is an organized creator. Hallelujah. So God is on time. And as I've always said, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Organize things. Because the Holy Spirit is organized in Jesus' name.